This episode is sponsored by our friends with the Sharp Mortgage Team. You know the weather's getting warmer, but the triad real estate market is hot. If you've been waiting for more homes to hit the market and better rates, now is the time to reach out to the Sharp Mortgage Team with Highlands Mortgage. It's important to have a conversation with mortgage pros before you shop for a home so that when you find the house you love, you'll be ready to make an offer. Call them today, 336-575-9448, or you can visit their website at sharpmortgageteam.com to talk to a member of their team. Don't wait. The summer home buying season is already underway. So again, 336-575-9448 or sharpmortgageteam.com. That's sharp with an E at the end, sharpmortgageteam.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have had a massive, massive weekend. This is actually the first time since Endgame I have seen movie theaters this packed. And you know what I'm going to be talking about? Barbenheimer weekend. Barbie Oppenheimer coming out on the 21st. We're going to be covering both films, highs, lows, critiques, and, of course, our grades afterwards. We are on the five-point Mario Brothers scaling system. This is your host, Brian, a.k.a. El Nino, and today I'm joined with... I'm Kip, a.k.a. Killer Disciple. And we have a very special guest, one of our main sponsors here at Zero Dark Nerdy. Steven, a.k.a. Sailfish Steve from <laughs> Sailfish Comics. Love it, love it. As you know from the intro, middle of the episodes and outro, Sailfish Comics, they have been good friends of ours for quite some time now. Three locations across North Carolina, one right here in Greensboro, across from Best Buy, one in Winston-Salem, and one in Concord. We'll get into more selfish stuff at the end, but right now we are going to get into the two hottest movies since the pandemic, Barbie and Oppenheimer. And we'll, we will go ahead and start with what's supposed to be the format. You're supposed to watch Oppenheimer first and then finish with Barbie Kip and I ended up having to do the reverse because Oppenheimer was super sold out on Sunday. So we had to watch Barbie first. And Steven, I believe you watched Oppenheimer first and then watched Barbie second. Is that correct? I did. Yeah, I was at the the very back for Oppenheimer. Not ideal seating, but, uh, you know, when you have the third largest box office weekend of all time, it's to be expected. Yeah. Yeah, so we met up at the, the at, at the comic book store, and I know you were getting ready to uh, to go see Oppenheimer. So, what was that experience like for you from beginning to end? I mean, I'm talking about as soon as you get you know checked in with your ticket. Did you see it as packed? Because you went on Friday, so yeah, and the opening day, and it was packed. I thought I was a little surprised because the crowds were definitely more Barbie oriented, a lot of pink, a lot of balloons in the, in the lobby and stuff. A lot of people looking like they were there to just have a good time as opposed to, uh, trudge through the, you know, I, I am become death destroyer of worlds kind of vibe, but, uh, Mm -hmm. overall it was, it was great. Uh, it's definitely, you know, the heavier of the two, you always expect that from Christopher Nolan and he really delivered, you know, beginning to end. 
almost on two fronts. I feel like it's almost like two movies in one and both of them are like at war with each other and how good they are and how well acted and how well they're depicted. I'm really glad you said that two movies in one, because I definitely got that vibe. This isn't your typical Christopher Nolan. I need to watch it five times for this movie to make sense, especially going back to tenant inception as well. You know, I mean, for the exception of, the Dark Knight trilogy and and even some of his like other classics too, like the prestige. I don't feel like this is one where you need to rewatch over and over and over again for it to make sense. Like tenant. I always hear, Hey, by the fourth time I watched it, it made sense to me. I'm not a <laughs> fan of movies like that. I mean, right. I do like a little bit of, you know, mystique and, and things like that. But this one, I, I did feel like it was definitely two stories in one, but most importantly, you didn't have to feel like you were a rocket scientist to enjoy the film. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, you know, there was the black and white elements to the confirmation hearing storyline versus the color of the other to really set them apart. And other than like Rami Malek being there in one and knowing, well, he hasn't set a line. So, you know, this has to come back somewhere. (laughs) There's not a whole lot of, of, uh, not a whole lot of like that you had to keep up with. It's not like memento where you had to figure out, you know, where the whole thing was going the whole time. Agreed. Kip, what were your thoughts on it? I mean, it is a classic Nolan uh, movie where things are told nonlinear. And like, like I said, with memento, I had to watch that probably four or five times just because I love the movie. It's probably my favorite Nolan movie. Still. I watched that several times. I'm like, yeah, you know, I didn't catch that the first couple go arounds. This one, I mean, as long as you don't fall asleep, which I struggled. I'm not going to lie. I struggled. <laughs> a few yeah, it was a struggle I'm, for me, too. I'm Those movie theater seats are so comfortable. <laughs> right. I knocked yeah. a few times. I had to catch myself. You know? But, I mean, for the most part, I knew what was going on. And, again, you don't have to be a rocket science. But as somebody that studied, like, physics and, you know, you know engineering, mm-hmm. I love watching movies like that. Because I'm like, okay, give us our time to shine. You know, and everything has to be explosions, which there was a major explosion in it. But, you know, that wasn't really the focus of the movie. It was everything that led up to that. And that's what I liked about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I agree 100%. I mean, I, I'm one of those people to where I'm older now. I do appreciate a good nap. Anytime there's a downtime <laughs> in a movie, especially as comfortable as the movie theater seats have gotten over the years. You know, there was definitely times where I was catching myself falling asleep, not because the movie was was boring per se. You know, it's just uh, it, it's a slow buildup. And, right. th- and that's what it is. That's what Christopher Nolan is known for. It's not dynamics in the beginning. I mean, for the exception of the Dark Knight series, you got to wait a little bit until you kind of see what's really going on. Right. And I thought the, uh, you know, of all the cameos that we get and, and just performances, I thought the females really stepped up to the plate between uh, Emily Blunt, Florence Pugh and, uh, and Florence. Yeah. Pugh. Yeah. You did like, she had probably way less screen time yeah. than Emily Blunt, but she showed her, I mean, okay, I don't want to say showed her ass. <laughs> I mean, she literally <laughs> she did, did but, you know, yeah. <laughs> she did a great job yeah. with the little bit that she was in the movie, you know, yeah. like she made a statement, you know, I, I, I feel like her scenes, just the way she was acting. I mean, she's coming up and like yeah. she's done like her resume is looking great oh, at yeah. this point for somebody that's been in the, I guess in the, the public eye for mm-hmm. like less than 10 years. Yeah. You know? I, I feel like it's Jennifer Lawrence and then Florence P was right. right there. Mm hmm. Yeah, and Emily Blunt, I was kind of like, 
well, she's not getting as much to do, but then that last hour, she comes on yeah. real strong. Yeah, that third act, like that was her act right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One, one thousand percent. Are there any takeaways, Stephen, for you in terms of you? Uh, for one thing, I, I, I do find it impressive, but also scary that the links that actors take to portray a character in terms of weight loss. We've seen mm-hmm. of, um, you know, Christopher Nolan in the machinist, the, yeah. the drastic weight loss that Christian Bale went through. And apparently mm-hmm. Cillian Murphy was eating one almond a day to get his face to be, I mean, his whole body really to be like that. So I don't know. And, and, and just, I would just love to get your thoughts on this. I mean, do you feel like that's super extreme? Is that something that you would ever see yourself doing? Cause to me, as much as I love cinema, I'm a very hangry person and then you're just eating off three meals a day. So I can't imagine how hangry I get eating one almond a day to look the, the part of a specific role for a movie. Yeah. And to, to be willing to do it, you know, obviously, like you said, Christian Bale had done it and knowing that it's something that's going to be expected. It's like the opposite of like Kamel Nanjiani going through all the effort to get super ripped for Eternals and then right. not really being used in the impact that it has. So I think it's, right. Like, right. it's extreme, example, but I yeah. think, you know, when you get these like almost theater troops together, like Cillian Murphy has, I think, been in six Christopher Nolan movies now, and you got the cameo from Gary Oldman in this, going back to Dark Knight and other right. things. I think, you know, when the time comes, I think everyone wants to be doing their part, and if somebody else has gone to the wall for it, then they want to go through whatever they have to do to live up to the example that's already been set for Christopher Nolan. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, even... Uh, Matt Damon went on record saying that he promised his wife some time off and he said, unless Christopher Nolan calls me for a movie mm-hmm. and then lo and behold, yeah, guess who was getting yelled at by the, I mean, I wouldn't say that he, that he was getting yelled at, but I'm sure she was like, you gotta be shitting me. Yeah. <laughs> so, but he didn't have to do any drastic weight gain or weight loss with it. But what's, what's your thought when, Just, when it comes to things like that too, Kip, I'd love to get your feedback on this. I, I think that certain actors take it to the extreme. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I guess like with uh, Christian Bale's example of the machinist, that's what that role called for. Right. Uh, it's just, it's super unhealthy to do that, for, to have your weight fluctuate the way it you know, it may have to. Yeah. Because um, we're not talking about just a couple pounds here. I mean, we're talking drastic yeah, the, the guy was like, I think he was like less than 100 pounds when he did the machinist. Yeah. You know? and I'm like, that's, that's crazy. And I feel like he was hospitalized at one point. Mm. Uh, I don't know. I mean... I do a lot for a few million dollars, though. I mean, it's not like he's—they're not doing it for almonds here. You know, they're getting paid. Yeah. They're being well compensated. Yeah. So, I mean, that and also you turn in a good performance that builds on your reputation as an actor, mm. and you're going to have you know a-list directors wanting to work with you. Yeah, you know, like. Uh, yeah, I think especially when Christian Bale did The Machinist, it was like he was still trying to break away from the like right. Empire of the Sun newsies kind of right, Christian right, Bale right, and right. the way the, the way the world saw him. Yeah, he became like a legit like actor yeah. is turning in a good, you know, dramatic performance and he became an A-lister probably from doing that. You know, I mean he was what what was that Reign of Fire? Like he was doing stuff like that. He Rain was. Fire, you he know, was. I don't know if that was before, yeah. but you know, I mean, he did other. I mean, don't talk movies. shit about Rain of Fire. I, mean, I liked it. That I mean, movie, his rules. Early, yeah, his earlier <laughs> stuff, like Equilibrium. When he was yeah. in Equilibrium. That was great. Yeah. I love that movie. You know, that was 
that may have gotten him action roles because yeah. he killed that. But mm-hmm. everybody wants to be in a Nolan movie. He's like right. the golden boy. You know, you it's like it's working with Scorsese yeah. or like Oliver Stone or something like yeah. that. You know, Nolan, he's top tier. So, yeah, I mean, if you asked me to live off of four pebbles of kibble, <laughs> you know, I'd probably end up doing it. You know, that means I'm going to be sitting at the Oscars waiting to hear my name called. True. You know? And there's also very few directors out there that can go up to a studio and say, here's my project. Here's what I need. And the studio says, yes. Mm-hmm. Christopher Nolan solidified himself after, you know, yeah, I think a little bit before, but definitely after doing the Batman trilogy right. and then of course, Inception. Right. And, uh, you know, we'll get to, to Greta in a little bit. Cause I feel like she's going to be in that aspect of it, especially in terms of female directors. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's exciting to see new properties that are directed well, that are meant for theaters. It's time to get serious about your financial future. It's never too early, but it could be too late to get started. And that's oftentimes the hardest part, getting started. How much do I save? Where do I invest? Do I save for college or retirement? How much for each? And who do I talk to about it all? Okay, we'll keep things simple for now and help you answer the last one. We recommend you begin with a local financial advisor. And that's Jennifer Johnson of Three Magnolias Financial Advisors. She'll sit down with you for a complimentary introductory consultation and go over all of your questions. Get started on the path to achieving your financial goals. Visit 3magnoliasfinancialadvisors.com or call 336-701-1600. Get comfortable with your financial future. 3 Magnolias Financial Advisors. Retirement, financial planning, and investments. Securities offered through Satara Advisor Networks, LLC, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through 3 Magnolias Financial Advisors. 3 Magnolias Financial Advisors and Satara Advisor Networks are not affiliated. Satara is under separate ownership from any other named entity. You know, before before we get to Barbie, um, you know, let's let's go over again. You got to do this out of a scale of five. And this time I'll start with you, Kip, and okay. then I'll go to Steven. You know, where would you rank... And give me two rankings. I want to know, like, rewatchability ranking mm-hmm. and then just your overall ranking of the film. Okay. Rewatchability. I'm going to tell you, I don't think I could watch it in the theater again. <laughs> now, I'm glad that I did watch it in the theater because mm-hmm. the sound was amazing. Spectacular. It was mm-hmm. amazing. I can't imagine watching that for the first time at home. Mm-hmm. So, definitely, if you have a chance to get out there to the theater, want, you're going to want to see it in the theater also just to support theaters right now. Um and again, you know, everybody that worked on that movie, I know they worked their asses off to make that. Uh, based on just what I saw in the cinema, I would give it a, I don't know, is it like we do whole numbers or do you? No, you, <laughs> no, you can do like at least, at least do a half. Okay, like don't okay. do like 0.15. Right, so I'm going to give it a, a four and a half <laughs> out of five. Actually for both. I mean, I'd say four and a half out of five for just just seeing it one time and then rewatchability. I would definitely watch it again, but at home in the comfort of my own home and probably in sections, you know, like I almost want it like a Tarantino, uh, intermission. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? yeah. Yeah. Cause I made it all the way through without even going to the bathroom and that was rough. So same, <laughs> same. Uh, I would say I'm going to give it, you know, rewatchability. I'll definitely watch it. I always come around to every Nolan movie, no matter right. how, even if I'm not like, Oh, I've got to, you know, figure it out again or anything like i watched interstellar a couple weeks ago just 
because I don't know that I'd watched it since it came out. I was like, oh, Timothy Chalamet was his son in that. Like, had completely forgotten that. Nolan was ahead of the curve on that on top of everything else. So definitely, you know, a five out of five for rewatching. And I would say a four out of five as far as uh, the movie itself. I think that, you know, I, I, I harp on this all the time and my wife especially does when I look at the runtime of something, even like the new mission impossible is three hours and it's like, okay, well people seem to think that this movie has to be three hours. So you feel like you got your money's worth out of it. But I think you could have cut out easily a half an hour, if not an hour from Oppenheimer and you would have just had a killer killer, all killer, no filler experience. So four out of five, just for that reason. Yeah, I, I agree with you when, when Kip, myself, and a big shout out to our buddy Derek, who who saw the movie with us. I felt as if I think I would have enjoyed this more, even though it was a great cinematic experience. So let me go ahead and start with that. Cinematic experience wise, I will definitely give this a, a four out of five. Like go watch this in theaters for the sound, the visuals, a Christopher Nolan experience, what you come to expect from a Christopher Nolan film. With that being said, this did feel all of three hours to me. You know, there's three hour movies that don't feel like three hour movies. Right. Uh, you know, Wolf of Wall Street to me is one where I could kind of just watch on whatever. But I'm just a I've always been a Scorsese fan. I've always been a Christopher Nolan fan. But this this did feel all three hours. So you are correct, Steve. And I think they could have knocked out, you know, half an hour to an hour of this right. film. Mm-hmm. And if they were to keep it the way it is, I would have preferred if it was an HBO special directed by Christopher Nolan on a Chernobyl like Chernobyl, yeah. Kind of Yeah, moment. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh you know, that way it could have been a six part mini series, let's just say, mm-hmm. where it could have kept people maybe engaged a little bit longer because that is one of the main concerns. I mean, let's face it, we're in a world right now where we want everything fast. We want everything quick. And I mean, I feel like the three of us are cinephiles where we really enjoy the experience, but not everybody is like us. And I'm not saying Christopher Nolan makes movies for everybody. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. yeah. But there's a lot of people where they look at the time. And as soon as it's over two hours or two and a half hours, immediately they just check out. They don't even yeah. want to give it a chance. So, I mean, that obviously didn't happen this weekend because it has been the best weekend since COVID. The right. best box office weekend between this movie and, and Barbie since uh, Endgame. So, I mean, yes, I will say go out and watch it, especially if you look Christopher Nolan movies. And most importantly, original content. You know, this isn't yeah. a a remake. This isn't part 10 or part 12 or a part of an extended cinematic universe, which we have all grown to love. Right. And we can get to that in yeah. a little bit. <laughs> um, you know, I, and that's what I love about Christopher Nolan. We know it's going to be, even when it was Batman, it didn't feel like the old Batman films, which I enjoyed. You know, I'm not going to take anything away from Tim Burton or anything like that. But, he just has an eye for making things look real and look amazing, where it's not just super, super CGI focused. Yeah. And I really respect him for that. And you know that when you see them building Los Alamos in the movie, yeah. that they're actually out yeah, there yeah. building a town yeah. for the sake of this movie and yeah. for his vision and stuff. So to see that old school filmmaking is very, very cool. Yeah. But exactly. it was really good to just see the different demographics for both films across the board. Yeah. I felt like we saw for a lot sure. with uh, Barbie as far as oh, the demographics. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
So let you know. Let's go ahead and get to Barbie on that. So Barbie, as, as far as stats go, so let me go ahead and run down some numbers for this weekend to show how how absolutely massive this weekend was. So Barbie earned three hundred and thirty-seven million dollars worldwide, and Oppenheimer brought in one hundred and seventy-four million worldwide for a total combined combined gross of five hundred and eleven million dollars. Again, one weekend, one weekend. Wow. And this is not a holiday weekend, too. You know, holiday weekends, numbers fluctuate Mm -hmm. a little bit because they come out on Wednesday. And I I believe these two came out on Thursday, like the normal schedule goes. Mm -hmm. So biggest opening weekend since the pandemic, the fourth biggest opening weekend in box box office history for two movies. And uh, the ones before that were Endgame, Infinity War and The Force Awakens. And I mean, we're talking those three movies carried that whole entire oh, weekend. Yeah. Where these yeah. two complete opposite what else, ends. <laughs> what else came out? When right. The came out, yeah. You know? Complete opposite ends of the spectrum. Right. And the marketing. I mean, to me, it, it's it's genius in a way to where it's like, let's just get people out to the theaters, and we'll let it go up to them. And it just happened. So before mm-hmm. we get to Barbie, I mean, what was kind of your first take, Stephen? Well, we'll start with you, like, especially with the Barbie movie coming out. Like, what, what were your thoughts? And then, you know, Kip, and then we'll just kind of go from there. I've had a <laughs> crush on Greta Ger- Gerwig since, like, Greenberg or something like that. You know, another yeah. Greta Gerwig, Noah Baumbach collaboration, and then yeah. Francis Ha and all that. So, you know, I've always been aware of her as long as she's been working even going back to the movies with the Duplass brothers uh in the early aughts and stuff saw lady bird didn't love it saw little women didn't love it but her working and co-writing with noah bombach was big for me uh you know going back to movies like squid and the whale and things like that and mm. getting that wry sense of humor to go with what she's brought in as a director, uh, I think is what really put this one over the top for me. Yeah, agreed. I mean, going into it just, just off trailers and a little bit of a buzz. My, my daughter is a gigantic a 24 fan and just a Greta fan in general. So she already loved lady bird. Her and I actually watched little women together and I never seen the previous iterations of little women. I was just more mm-hmm. by the cast and I enjoyed it. You know, it's not really my cup of tea. I'm gonna tell you right now, if it was little women, mm-hmm. if it was little women Oppenheimer, I would have been like, uh, it's just going to be Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer weekend for me. Yeah. But, you know, seeing the cast and kind of getting a little bit of feedback that this was not going to be a PG movie is what got me a little bit excited about seeing it. And then we'll get into that a little bit and then pick what was, you know, what was your first reaction to that? Uh, Barbie pretty much had me at the first trailer. <laughs> like, I, I, it gave me like 21 Jump Street vibes where I'm like, okay, so I'm not really supposed to take this seriously. They're not taking themselves seriously. It's it's right. a comedy, you know. And as I saw the next trailer, I was like, okay, this is more geared towards adults. But there's stuff. It's it's like the opposite where you like you go see a kids movie, like the Lego movie, and then it has yeah. something for the adults. This seemed like it was for adults, but had something for the kids. Yeah, you know. So yeah. I mean. Uh, I, I was definitely more excited to see that than Oppenheimer, which, <laughs> <laughs> which is bad, I guess. I don't know, but mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean, Oppenheimer. I felt I never felt more like an adult watching a movie before. 
and <laughs> we were just missing the suits. Just yeah, you know, yeah, that's, that's that's how I felt. I felt like we just stepped off of like the suits. Yeah, <laughs> we were like, yeah, <laughs> set to go watch this movie. But um, yeah, like I had a, I had a great time with it. Like I I felt I was I didn't go in with high expectations. Right. I just wanted a good time. I wanted a few laughs, and it gave me everything I asked for. Mm-hmm. And I think that this will lead to bigger projects for her because she did a phenomenal job, you know, directing. It's kind of like, I mean, as far as like uh, female directors mm-hmm. there, I mean, there's a, a small handful of, yeah. of uh, female. I mean, there's tons of them, but like the ones that we actually know, right. Very few, you know, like you have somebody like Catherine Bigelow, mm-hmm. great director, and she directed a action movie, you know, and it's great. You know, Patty Jenkins, the first uh, yeah. <laughs> Wonder Woman yeah. and, and Monster, you know, I mean, she's going to be up there in, on that tier, yeah. I think, going forward. And that's good for her. And I know? mean, after this weekend, you know, the highest grossing weekend for any female director of all time directed uh, Penny Marshall, you know, was one mm-hmm. of my mm-hmm. favorite directors oh, yeah. growing up. I yeah. mean, League of Their Own, Big. Mm-hmm. Those are two of my yeah. favorite movies right there. So, I mean, it, it's great to see the comeuppance, I guess you could say, for someone like this. Because I feel like, if not after Barbie, she is going to be in a Christopher Nolan type of Steven Spielberg. Uh, you know, all these directors that can just say, hey, here's my project. Throw me some money. I'm going to make it fire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Who's ready for movie night? Our friends at the Ginther Group Real Estate are proud to sponsor this season's Innovation and Cinema at Bailey Park in downtown Winston-Salem's Innovation Quarter. The original Mary Poppins on August 12th, Space Jam A New Legacy on September 15th, and Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone on October 20th. Bring your chair or blanket to Bailey Park for a great night of cinema from Aperture, beverages from Incendiary Brewing, and food from a variety of local vendors. These magical movie nights are made possible by The Ginther Group, the real estate experts we trust and showcase right here on the Triad Podcast Network. Make sure to check their social media for detailed info on each movie night. And for your real estate needs, call 336-283-8689 or visit theginthergroup.com. Buying, selling, investing, or just learning. Whatever you need, start now. And like me, you can become a Ginther Group client for life. Um, yeah, same same thing with, yeah. with, with Kip. I, I don't think I was hooked on the first episode or the first trailer. I was definitely like, I'm intrigued. It seems like it's going to be a fun movie. And let's face it, we're in the middle of a recession. You know, the world's at war with itself. We need more fun shit at the movie theater. Oh, yeah, for sure. Plain and simple. And the one thing I will say, and Kip and I talked about this briefly, it's just crazy the the propaganda bashing oh that's going yeah. on. with it, it seems like you can't come out with anything without it being propaganda, no right, matter what right, the movie right. is. There's always some agenda attached to it. Right. Like, no, we're just, just a yeah. movie, guys. And, <laughs> like, and, and I tell you what, there, there was this TikToker who took – all these one star ratings and actually put it on the or one star reviews and put it on the Barbie movie poster to make it like a legit like review. And it made yeah. me want to watch the movie even more. <laughs> so it's great to like take these trolls that just 
want to just complain about every single thing on the planet, which people, can we just pump the brakes a little bit? Like not everything is propaganda. Can that, can there not be a good movie out there without there being a background message behind it? Right. And even if there is, so what? It's not paying your bills. It's not helping you get rich. Right. It's just there for entertainment purposes. I'm not brainwashed. It's, I'm not going out to buy Barbies tomorrow, right. you know, cause then I saw that I saw people were burning Barbies. I'm like, what is going on right now? Yeah. Like even if you hated the movie for whatever reason, it, yeah. it didn't ruin your day. Uh, right. <laughs> you know, it didn't ruin your right. day. Like, come on. If, if pop culture is ruining your life that much, then please find an alternative. But yeah. I went in completely surprised. I brought my sister with me. Uh, my wife, Ashley, I love you. I know you're going to be listening to this episode. I got to call you out, though. She was a little bit too hungover to join us <laughs> for the movie. So it was myself, my sister, Kip, Autumn, and then our good friends, Derek and Kate. And we all walked out of there smiling. I mean, it's it's two hours of just goofy, dumb fun. You know? But you also get a, a happy ending for everyone. Like, I, right. I mean, we said we walked out of there feeling good. It's not like anyone was marginalized. And right. in the end, the Barbies right. are like, oh, man, we haven't been treating the Kens right. Like, there's a reason that they feel the way they feel and they don't need to be the way they're being about it. But we yeah. need to change something about the way we've been acting, too. Right. Yes. And that's the message for both sides. Exactly. I mean, yeah. It's yeah. like, if you really look at it, it's like, oh, because like I'm sitting there watching and it's like a lot of things didn't hit me as hard as it hit as hard as it hit Autumn. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, there's a part where one of the characters is giving like this monologue. And if I was a woman or, you know, a mother or something like that, it, I would have felt it a lot harder than yeah. she did. You know, and mm-hmm. it's just like I'm sort of looking at her. I'm like, wow, this is like, you know, and she yeah. gets pretty emotional when it comes to movies and TV shows and commercials and, yeah, you know, stuff like that. But yeah, it yeah. hit her really hard. I'm like, oh, wow. But at the same time, she was laughing the whole time, too. Exactly. So there was some of everything yeah. in this movie. Exactly. I'm going to give it a four out of five. Uh, the comedy, that's what did it for me. Yeah. I mean, Ryan Gosling. He's so good. He's great. I mean, the fact this guy, like, if, if he won an Oscar for comedy, like, I would completely get it because the guy, I'm not saying he carried the movie, but comedically, I would say he carried the movie. Like, I mean, the, the, just the Kens in general, Simu Liu, like him and the guy that plays Gravik in uh, Secret Invasion, I don't know his name yeah. yet. Yeah. <laughs> we will know his name. Oh, after, we will. After Bob Marley. We will yeah. know his name. But um, yeah, I mean, they, they did a great job. I mean, even Michael Sarah, his part. Oh, as, uh, what was it? Adam. Allen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Allen. Allen, Allen, yeah. Allen, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was great. Will Farrell was great, but he's I mean, he's usually, you know, he's Will Farrell. He's going to give you, you know, what he's known for. Um, Issa Rae, like she was funny. I mean, yeah. I thought everybody everybody had uh, their, they did their part and I loved it. So, yeah, I'd give it a 4 out of 5. Comedy-wise, here's how you know. I mean, this movie will stand the test of time. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I guarantee you, and I've already seen it happening. We are all going to be calling our homes Mojo Dojo Casa Houses, <laughs> plain and simple. Mojo Dojo Casa Houses, and then I love how they're like, you know, you don't have you to say that it. at the end. Yeah, you don't have to say, but it's so great. <laughs> so even as I, you know, I, if we would have seen, if we would have seen it for my barbecue this past weekend, I would have been like, this is the Mojo Dojo Casa House barbecue. <laughs> so yeah, what's I, your rating on Barbie, bud? Uh, I give it a five out of five. Love I it. Think, okay. Love it. I don't. Hold think, on. Hold on. Hold on. Before you say anything yeah. more. Here it is. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there was anything in the whole movie that was wasted. 
I think that there were, you know, there's musical numbers, there's fight scenes, there's cameos, like uh, the old woman on the bus stop bench when Barbie meets her. That is Barbara Handler that they talk about in the movie, who is the inspiration. That's actually, it's not. No, she's actually a costume designer that's friends with Greta Gerwig. Oh, so, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's actually my mistake not, then. No, but uh, everybody thinks. But that yeah, uh, I don't. I just don't feel like there was any scene that was wasted. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there are things that I want for movies that I'll still go see everything. Like no hard feelings. It was fine, but I still want there to be room for quotable comedies and R-rated comedies in right. the marketplace. So I went to see it, yeah. and. After when I went out with my friends to eat after the movie, we were all quoting lines from Barbie already. Like, right. Anytime anything right. that has gone well the last couple of days, it's been sublime. Like, you know, <laughs> I think it's going to be as a comedy stand the test of time. Like you mm-hmm. said, the same way Anchorman or Dodgeball or mm-hmm. any other great comedy yep, does. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and then it had a ton to say in the same way that a movie like everything everywhere all at once or vengeance did last year where it hits you emotionally too. Mm, mm, mm. You got a, you got a second air horn for that brother. I tell people (laughs) all the time. I'm like in the early two thousands before we had memes and gifts, it was quotes from movies and it was one of them. Yeah. So I, I I will give this definitely a 4.5 out of five. I actually cannot wait to watch this movie again. I did tell Ashley, she was like, well, will you go to the theaters again? Maybe. I mean, we got a lot of other stuff coming out. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, but it's one of those, like if it's on TV, I'm probably going to watch it you know and what? I'm going to put it up. Yeah. You know, I'm rewatchability. Actually, I'm actually going to yeah. change my, I, I gave it a okay. four. I'm going to go to a 4.5. There we go. You know what? There we go. Okay. You know what? Like, I can see myself watching this before I watch Oppenheimer. There you go. You know, and mm-hmm. I'm like, again, if it's on streaming, I'm like, it's on up. Okay, right. That's it's, what I'm it's watching. Like, I'd like to call those my TNT and TBS movies. Right. If it's on TV, yeah. you're going to watch it. No matter what point it's on. Yeah. Like, if it's a third yeah. of the way through, you're like, I guess I'm riding this out. Yeah. <laughs> so, agree. And I think we've only seen the first, you know, the biggest opening weekend for a female director ever, the bit part of the bit fourth largest weekend ever, you said. But, mm-hmm. I think whatever streamer gets Barbie oh, is going God. to see a bump once it goes on there too. And yeah. it'll be like Barbie sleepovers and stuff the same way you saw people going out One uh, for it. So I think it's only halfway through its cultural phenomena too. Right. And I'm sure, I mean, I know we have a limited amount of, of drive-in theaters out there, but I could definitely see this being a hit. I don't know about both. I mean, to me, five hours is a lot. Mm-hmm. To spend. I mean, there's people that have done it that did both movies in the same day, and God bless all of you that did it. I don't know how. <laughs> I could not. I could not. I don't yeah, care how good they both are. Five hours is a lot. So, um, excellent. Before before we wrap up, though, Stephen, I want to let the fans yes. know a little bit more about Sailfish Comics. They've been hearing about you, you know, really since the last couple of years now. You know, tell mm-hmm. them just a little bit about how Sailfish got started where you guys are going and we're like, what are the new, the what's the new hot shit coming out here in the next okay. weeks? Uh, Sailfish started 17 years ago. My business partner, Brett Parks, he had been teaching English in Korea, saving up money, selling, you know, whatever region locked DVDs of eraser head and selling transformers. You couldn't get anywhere else, drop okay. shipping them to the U S to make his nest egg to open the store. 
came back, opened the store, and I was the first guy there helping him pull subscriptions as soon as he opened. Like, I remember going to pick up books from him when he was still painting the walls. And then fast forward 10 years, and I wanted a piece of something for my own. Yeah. Got together with Brett, opened up our own shop in Greensboro. And then three years after that, we had hired a kid named Colton. He wanted to make his bones as well. We set him up down in Concord. So that's kind of how the Manifest Destiny has progressed. Um, As far as the new hotness, uh, we have Ultimate Invasion going on. That's the big Marvel summer event. DC's turned things a little more horror-oriented with Mm -hmm. Night Terrors across their whole line of books. Uh, And there's always new stuff to try. We just had an exclusive variant featuring our puppy Lois for a new book called Scrapper that's like Blade Runner meets Homeward Bound kind of stray dogs in the uh, dystopian future solving crimes. So that's a lot of fun. And especially if you like the movies that you saw this weekend, there's a, especially Oppenheimer, uh, Jonathan Hickman, who's written a bunch for the Avengers and stuff. Mm -hmm. He teamed up with a guy named Nick Patara back in 2009, and they did a book called Manhattan Projects. Oh. Where it posits as the atomic bomb being the tamest thing that they created and really they were just like completely unhinged and no government oversight creating dimensional portals and dealing with aliens and stuff like that too. And that deals with Oppenheimer and Leslie Groves or Graves or Groves, uh, a lot more Richard Feynman than we got in the movie and things like that. So that's kind of a old backlist title that's evergreen right now. Awesome. Awesome. And, uh, you know, I know you guys normally, I think about once a month, do an event at your like side location in Greensboro. Do you have any upcoming events with the, with the warehouse coming up? Yeah. Our warehouse is located at 929 behind the field trip performance space or 929 North church street. Mm -hmm. And we were just talking about it today. I think we're looking at August 18th and 19th. So the afternoon of Friday, August 18th, and then the morning into the afternoon of Saturday, August 19th for the next warehouse sale. And that's a chance where we have a lot of dollar books, kind of overstock clearance toys. Uh, We also have some premium back issues that even having three stores, we just don't have room for everything that we want to get out there. So that's some extra space to come and find some hidden gems. Love it. Love it. For for those of you watching, I mean, I, I would say half of this is thanks to our friends at Salesforce Comics here in the background. So uh, Stephen will be joining us at least once a month minimum to, uh, you know, talk about all things comic books, comic cons, action figures, the whole entire nine yards. Kip, thank you so much for joining hey, us. Man, always a pleasure. Yeah. You guys hang out for just a second. All right, party people, that is going to wrap up our latest episode of Zero Dark Nerdy. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate all the love and support. Big thank you to our sponsors, betonline.ag for all your sports betting needs. And of course, the Believe Podcast Network. And we could not be here without our main sponsors. That is Sailfish Comics for all your comic book, graphic novel, toys, posters, the whole nine yards. They got it all. Three locations in North Carolina, one in Greensboro, right across from Best Buy on Stanley Road, one location in Winston-Salem, and one in Concord right outside of Charlotte. On behalf of everyone here at Zero Dark Nerdy, be sure to check us out on social media all across the board, Zero Dark Nerdy. 
And of course, our website, popculturepodcast.com, courtesy of our good friends over at Zibster, Z-I-B-S-T-E-R, for all your pod- for all your website and SEO needs. Have a good one. Be good to each other out there, and we'll see you next time. Peace. And anger management? Fuck anger management.